When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another episode of Texas Sports Nation. I'm Jonathan Alexander here with Brooks Cabina. Another loss. 0-2-1. Oh, uh, Texans, man, they just... I don't know. This to me, I, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I think this was their worst performance, uh, considering who they were playing. The Chicago Bears, who I had ranked as the 32nd worst team in the NFL, and I still think they're the 32nd worst team in the NFL. And the Texans still lost to them. Yeah. What did you think? Yeah. No. It's the these were the games that the Texans were supposed to win, uh, or at least with these first three games were the ones that they had the best chance to. I mean. We've had all these conversations about Davis Mills the last three weeks, but Justin Fields just looked bad. I mean, 8 of 17, Mm. was sacked a bunch, was running around, threw two picks to Jalen Petrie. Both of those were high and highly questionable, and the Texans weren't able to win. And it was the last-ranked rush defense in the league, and Damian Pierce was doing well at halftime, and then those adjustments came later, but... I mean, if there was anything, any chance for the Texans to win early this year, it would be now. So now they've got this mm-hmm. long string of playoff contenders starting with the Chargers. And I know Justin Herbert's been playing a little bit banged up lately, but I think Austin Eckler as a running back will start to feel a little bit better once he's facing the Texans in their uh, run defense, which has been playing pretty poorly. And yeah, I mean, I know you focused on that over the weekend. I mean, is there any signs that they're going to improve there? You know, Lovey talked a little bit about it. Hey, it came down to tackling. They missed a lot of yeah. tackles, you know, against uh, Khalil Herbert. Uh, he was looked like Walter Payton out there. <laughs> um, so perhaps, so perhaps they can improve in that particular area. But I think it's, I think it's a little deeper than that. I think, you know, their run defense past two years just hasn't been good no. enough. And I, I, I doubt it'll, it'll, you know, magically get better in one week. I'm sure it'll be a time. But I think that's been their Achilles heel this whole year. Three straight weeks of of bad run defense. The um, Texans were just lucky that the Broncos didn't recognize it early on. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I I'm afraid that this is going to be an issue. I think teams now ha- now have the Texans figured out, or they can at least see the blueprint. Um, but yeah, it was just bad. Uh, you know, too many. Mi- I, I at least saw one missed tackle from Grenard, Jonathan Grenard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Hughes, their two best defensive players. Oh, Chase and Justin Fields from behind. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, Gruger Hill, Camus Gruger Hill, he missed a tackle. Um, Jonathan Owens missed tackles. Um, you know, it was just bad all around, to be honest with you. I think they got to get a lot better than that. Yeah. I, I think this is, we, we've spoke about this before. And 
Like Christian Harris, their third-round linebacker, has been sidelined with a hamstring injury for the last three weeks. He's um, you know, still out. He's, he's going to have to at least miss this game ahead, and uh, he hasn't even really uh, had any signs of uh, rejoining practice these last three weeks. And uh, that's one of those players that was supposed to address this front. And really the big changes that they made over the off season was adding an undrafted defensive tackle in Kurt Heinisch. And like he, he beat out, um, you know, the, the reigning people over training camp. But again, that was people who were part of last year's problem. So, I mean, I think if you're looking in the off season, if you're looking ahead to see what changes are going to be made, it's, it's got to be there. Um, you know, I'm also looking on the offense too. I, I, I've been looking at this and we talked about Davis Mills and brought him up again, but I will say this after looking at the tape again, we were talking about the downfield passing game last week. I do think those things have improved and they should. Um, We were expecting them to, because in a run oriented scheme that the Texans do, it's supposed to open up the pass. And it did. You look at the uh, players he was able to throw to downfield, Farrell Brown, Philip Dorsett, um, Nico Collins in certain situations. I, I remember we were talking about this, that when was Davis Mills going to, you know, start throwing downfield and be less conservative than he was. But, uh, I, I that's, that's what happened in his first interception, at least. Um, I yeah. went back and looked at it in the end zone, threw it to Brandon Cooks. I don't necessarily blame David Mills for that. That's the kind of touch. That's the kind of interception I think you can live with. Um, I talked to Brandon Cooks about this yesterday and looking at it again, I do think that there was supposed to be a pick play there between him and Chris Moore on the opposite side. Um, and just Cooks coming on in the inside, uh, his, his defender was way too close than he should have been. Got a hand on it, made a good play. Um, the, the second interception, obviously on third and one at the end of the game. And, uh, it's another pass to Rex Burkhead, who seems to be one of the top receivers that they go to. He, he's, the only person that gets more targets than uh, Rex Burkhead is Brandon Cooks. And that's kind of a problem when you look around on the passing game. And Roquan Smith knew it. And, uh, I mean, looking at the tape of that again, um, that was a situation where um, him and Nico Collins were running a dual route where Collins was open over the middle of the field. And um, it's, it's called, you know, a speed cut. And the hitch there could bring this linebacker in, which it did. And, and Davis Mills just got, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a throw you see veterans and, uh, successful quarterbacks in the NFL make where they can draw a defender one way and free up another. And gosh, if, if, if anybody's, you know, someone you can cue on, it's that Mills will throw it to Rex Burkett on third down. And, um, you know, that's what happened. And the Texans are looking at being winless again. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, after three games, we know that the, the quarterback is the biggest deal. I mean, what, what, what have you seen from Mills and, is it is it enough for you? I, I've had some people ask me this. I mean, it what's a large what's 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 the sample size to where you know Davis Mills is the answer or not? Yeah, I, I think we're seeing that he's not the answer. Um, you know, I, I think you can give him some more games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at least have half a season. You know, I, you know, in all fairness to Davis Mills, and I do think to be fair, you know, he he doesn't have a lot of weapons like. Honestly, if we're just being honest, Brandon Cooks is probably a top tier number two wide receiver on some of the better teams. He's really good, but he's a top tier number two wide receiver. Nico Collins would probably be a four or a five. Uh, and those are their top two weapons. And 
honestly, Rex Burkhead probably wouldn't be, um, you know, a top option on on other of rosters. So I just I just feel like, hmm. you know, we could be fair in that aspect of Davis Mills. However, Davis Mills has missed a lot of throws. He he has made some decisions, um, you know, including recently that have been questionable. Um, you could tell he gets kind of nervous in the pocket um, when he's under pressure. Um, he, you know, he goes to his comfort blanket and obviously Rex Burkhead is one of his comfort blankets. So I think Davis Mills has got to improve a lot more. He's got to make better decisions. He's got to take chances. I do, I do agree with, you know, I did like the fact that he took that chance in the end zone on that, on that goal line throw that he threw an interception. I like the fact that he took the chance, but it was second and goal and he could have been a little bit more patient on that particular play, but in order for him to, you know, ascend, he is going to have to take more chances like that. I agree with that, but yeah, and and I I disagree about Brandon Cooks just because last year watching him be a dynamic receiver, he can be a number one. He has that capacity. I I just think it's really strange that he hasn't been able uh, to follow that same way. I mean, some of the targets that he's got. I mean, he's still the twice. He's almost have twice as many targets than anyone else on the team. Um, and there's been some drops there by him. There's been some off target throws to him. Um, he hasn't really taken off in the way that we kind of expected him to with the way he was looking in training camp. I think all that goes together and maybe a little mm-hmm. bit of the offense that they're running right now that it's, it, it, we haven't really seen go, go, go uh, long um, in certain situations. And, and I think he needs to become more of a factor for sure. Um, I mean, it's it's sure that Pep Hamilton likes to use the run game. Um, these fullback oriented, three tight end, two tight end oriented schemes. Maybe Cooks is just a weird fit in what they're trying to do this year. Um, but I, I agree with you um, in the capacity of I think again off the field they invested and traded back into the second round to get John Mechie, a guy who can really help open up the middle of the field, the outer of the field. He's a guy that can go inside, outside. He's that guy that you keep talking about that, you know, the playmaker that they're missing. And, you know, it's, it, you know, we've seen him in the locker room. He's more available with, with the team now. So it seems like he's doing pretty well. So, uh, I mean, he's, he's expected to be out for the rest of the year, but um, I mean, I, I'm curious if, if all of those factors together, do you wait to the end of the year and say, you know what? Davis Mills is a receiver away from being, uh, a, a consistent starter in the league. I I, I don't know. I I, I think well, three I games this, is too I, soon. I think to Davis Mills, right and I, I might have mentioned this last week. Like I think Davis Mills can be a good starter for a team, he, but he's not a franchise quarterback. Or at least he hasn't proven that he's a franchise quarterback. He's not a guy mm-hmm. that you're going to see put you put the team on your back. And and that's what a franchise quarterback does. Like he picks up the team. And Davis Mills just hasn't shown that he can do that. Can he do that? Can he develop into that? So I'm you, not really sure. I have not seen that yet. But so so would you say it's more of a situation where like I, I feel like the last couple of years everybody was on Tua's back over in, in Miami. It's like is Tua the guy? Is Tua doing well? And all of a sudden they bring in Jalen Waddle and. Uh, Tyree Kill, and all of a sudden he looks like a pro bowler. Yeah. Is that the kind of thing that they're missing here? Yeah, but I think. Because that goes to play calling, too. I mean, you bring in a new coach, new offensive system, get the guy going. At the same time, I feel like there were like flashes of Tua, and you just wondered if he can do it consistently. I feel Uh like Davis Mills is more like a 
he did, I'm not saying he plays like Jimmy Garoppolo, but he's more like a, a Jimmy Garoppolo in that he can win with the right piece. He could probably win with the right pieces around him, but he's not. Yeah. Well, they're definitely using the same kind of offense, so that I, I can I can I can see how that comparison's fair. But I do think he's a little bit more mobile than yeah, he's not yeah, running he's, out of the I mean, back. He's of the definitely end zone, so. more. Yeah, <laughs> please don't do that. Um, but yeah, he's definitely more mobile than than Jimmy Garoppolo. But I, I'm just saying, I I'd compare him more to to Jimmy Garoppolo than I would Tua, um, because we had seen the two. Well, I mean more in the circumstances of uh, of, of playmakers yeah. and how that can change someone's yeah, productivity. But, but you get what what I'm. I guess what I'm saying is, if you give though. You know those playmakers to Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think Garoppolo is lightening up like Tua is lightening up. I think Tua just has a little bit more ability than Garoppolo. But both, but both can be winners, okay. and both are have proven to be winners. And I think Davis Mills cannot over overcompensate for the lack of weapons he has. He needs great pieces around him to be successful. So I, I do believe the way it's trending is looking like the Texans are going to be drafting a quarterback next year. Just the way it's trending. Yeah, I mean, if the if the season ended today, I'd expect they'd spend the number one overall pick on a quarterback, and that's not just because of need; that's also because of value and the kind of guys that are there. And then, and then you'd really have to wonder what what play caller is uh, the one that you want to develop that quarterback. And through three games, we've we've seen a lot of uh, kind of the same from Pep Hamilton's scheme here. We've we've seen the trends. We see that they want to run the ball. Damian Pierce looked like a madman at times um, against the Bears, and he should against the worst NFL uh, run defense in the league. Um, but is those those key situations? And this is coming out. This is online right now in the, the the film study we broke down on the third and ones. Out of out, the only player to convert on a third and one from the Texans is on their practice squad. Mm-hmm. It's Jeff Driscoll. And on a zone read run, it's it's the most damning fact fact for an offense that has such a philosophy that's so heavy on the run being part of their success. They're zero for six beyond that, and they weren't able to punch it in on third and goal from the two. Um, they've been stuffed in other situations. They in overtime they tried to do it regardless whether it was Rex or not. Um, they ended up punting after that, and. Uh, another revelation that we hear that, that Levy Smith let us in on today is that two of those third and ones against the Bears were RPOs. So we don't know how many other plays have been RPOs for Davis Mills throughout the rest of the year, but I mean, it could be an indication to me that you know Pep's trying to get a little bit more out of those situations, give the give the offense a little bit more chances to be versatile in those situations. But that's also putting uh, the onus on Mills to make decisions. Looked like both of those were pre-snap. And obviously, both of those didn't work out. And Levy Smith said they should have been runs. So, um, even the schematic pieces of the game yeah. aren't working but, right now. You know, I, I just don't know how much, um, you know, I think one of the things that I disagree with Pep, of course, and we talked about this, is, is the fact that Rex Burkhead is in certain situations over Damian Pierce. But other than that, a, a lot of the plays just aren't being made. Like, that third and one, or the play before the interception, yet... He had potentially yeah. three people open, and of course, one of the passes was tipped. But he threw it to the third op- to the option who was third, who I thought he should have thrown it to. I thought he should have thrown it to Nico Collins or Cooks before that. You know, Levy Smith talked about you know Davis Mills should have 
you know, um, you know, handed it off on those situations. I think you see what you're seeing really is, you know, Pep is putting them in a position, but Davis just really hasn't hasn't gotten the yeah. job done. Uh, you know, he's got to make the right plays. Yeah. I mean, I mean uh, in this league, quarterbacks are tasked with making plays at the line of scrimmage and and and, and making decisions. And this is where Davis Mills really has to step up. Yeah, and I I, I love having some insight sometimes. But uh, I, I texted uh, over at six ten, Clint Sterner, former quarterback, just to say. You know, right. Well, the all 22 finally came out today and looking at that final play, when I kind of get a quarterback's view of that play and, um, it, it's, it looked, it, that's, that's kind of the breakdown there with Nico Collins and Rex Burkhead that those two in tandem running that route together was supposed to open up a, a first down for one or the other. I think Brandon Cooks was probably, um, not as much of a, of a, of an option. And, and I think that kind of goes to your point a little bit is that why is Cooks mm-hmm. not? Maybe yeah. the guy you go to there and, and, but, but nobody, I, I, I did the numbers again because I just wanted to go see and I'm going to pull them up here on my laptop here. Um, of all third down throws, Cooks has gotten the most, most targets anyway. Six targets. Uh, Rex Burke has had four. Farrell Brown has had four. And a lot of those came yesterday, including a 20 yard reception that they converted. Um, so, I mean, they are spreading the ball around on third down. It's been nine different receivers, and I think that surprised me a little bit. Uh, Jordan Akins was a part of that. Chris Moore. Um, Chris Moore had the 52-yard reception in the first half. I mean, I think they got better in some ways in the passing game. Um, and I feel like just the two interceptions, if those don't happen, I think you talk about Mills a little bit differently. And I think it's funny. It's like a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation where everybody was ticked off and we were criticizing a bit for him throwing passes that were too short. And now, I mean, substantially higher. I mean, he was averaging 4.8, 4.9 per throw with three plus wide receivers. And that just wasn't going to cut it. Now he's above. I mean, it was almost eight against the Bears. And that's a, that to me, that's a, that's an uptick in a passing game. We'll see if that's sustainable against better defenses than the Bears. I think we saw that a little bit last year when Tim Kelly's run oriented scheme would start to pick up against you know, poor run defenses. And you'd say, okay, well, maybe the offense will get it going. And then they'd get blanked by the bills or, you know, the Rams for the most part. Um, So uh, that's, what's going to be really interesting is they start playing the teams like the chargers and the, the Jaguars who look really good now. um, And uh, the Raiders and others that are on their schedule coming up all the way through the, the Eagles. I mean, it's five different playoff contenders that are up on their schedule and uh, a team that's winless now could, uh, you know, be winless once November comes around. I mean, who who knows what's up for this team? They might be able to surprise. But and I want to ask you that. I mean, what about this team could surprise a, one of these upcoming uh, playoff contenders? And is there anything that, like, is, they can swing to their advantage in any of these games coming up? I mean, I think the tech right now, the Texans, because they're in such a situation, like, they can't sign anybody you know, to fill in any caps because they don't have any cap space. I think right now their best yeah. course of action is, is you know, do kind of what they did in the first couple of games and not turn the ball over. Davis Mills can't turn the ball over. Damian Pierce can't fumble it. Um, you know, if they can win the turnover battle each week and the defense can, you know, play somewhat better against the run, I think that's their best course of action. They've been keeping these games close, but – 
in the first two games, they just weren't able. They needed to make at least one play on the offense, and they didn't make any plays. So right. I think if they can limit their turnovers, win the turnover battle, and just make a couple of plays on offense, then I think they can possibly upset some teams. They're going to be close. I don't think they, – they're not a team that's going to be, be blown out because their defense is going to give them a chance every game. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that against good offenses so far. and I. But but honestly, I, I do want to see the Texans secondary and the defense as a whole whenever they face, you know, a Justin Herbert, a Patrick Mahomes later in the year. I mean, the quarterback play so far – and I was really surprised by Russell Wilson mm-hmm. playing as bad as he did. It mm-hmm. has not been good. And maybe that's part of what the Texans have done. Um, I think you probably have to definitely give credit to the cornerbacks, Derek Stingley and Steve Nelson, who have done a really good job so far. And Jalen Petrie for getting his two interceptions there. But you, but you touched on something there at the beginning of your answer that I think is really of note. Um, you know, someone reached out on Twitter earlier today. Uh, asking if the Texans needed to sign a backup, another quarterback to the deal if Davis Mills was there. And uh, I think it's notable that Kyle Allen was um, active for the first time this weekend and uh, Jeff Driscoll. Uh, and I'll just add this here. Driscoll has played in two games, elevated from the practice squad. Um, I believe the number is three. You can only be elevated three times in a year and then you're done. So they're probably saving that for later in the year whenever they might get a chance to do so. Um, I think that was part of their decision, but um, right now the Texans have 52 players on what should be a 53 active man roster. Um, and that has to do with Justin Britt, um, you know, taking his time away from the team for personal reasons, but it also has to do, uh, with the Texans being really close up against the cap. They have $65 million in dead money last year. Um, a lot of that overhaul for the Texans roster, uh, hit that budget. And if, you know, listeners aren't really familiar with the term dead money, it basically means a penalty against your team where, um, it, whatever salary, uh, that you had there, some of that, um, stays on the books and restricts you from, um, using that to your advantage and uh, just, you know, cutting players re- left and right, making trades left and right. Others uh, and, uh, it limits whether the Texans are able to go and get someone else. So right now it's about 1.3 million, I want to say. Um, and that's uh, not really going to add anybody of of significance right now. So, and, and and this is actually really bad because you know you, usually you want to have some type of cap space to like sign players in case you have an injury, like a quarterback gets hurt, and you sign a, a quarterback in free agency or or a big player, um, or you can also carry over that money. And the Texans aren't going to be able to carry over anything. Um, unless they just keep doing some type, you know, restructuring contracts. So, I mean, it's they're they're pigeonholed right now. They're in a, a little bit of a bad situation as far as that cap space goes. I mean, it just goes to show just how, um, you know how how off a lot of the contracts were when uh, Nick Casario came in. Um, they 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 had a very strange transition when it comes to uh, how. The, an organization is run. Bill O'Brien as a head coach and Jack Easterby helping out with contracts on the side. And a, a lot of those deals there, um, you know, like Whitney Merciless last year are still high on the books. Um, you know, Zach Cunningham's still on the books. Deshaun Watson, I mean, that was a franchise quarterback at the time, and he's going to clear off the books after this year. But, I mean, they had to they had to draft, and they signed all nine of their rookies 
And, uh, <laughs> I mean, those contracts are going to add up and this team's just trying to get by and they're going to be able to breathe next year. And that's really where it's going to get interesting because the Jaguars right now, what's making them so competitive is maybe some of the players, I mean, definitely some of the players that they spent with the most free agency spending in all the league. I think they had to overpay a lot of players to convince them to come. And I'll be interested to see how Casario and the rest of the organization handles that whenever teams, uh, I mean, free agents next year are deciding which teams they want to play for. Um, but I mean, let's, let's hit on this for a second. And the Texans unquestionably are more competitive than they were last year. I mean, they were losing 14 games, but an average of 16 points. They lose to the Bears by three. They lose, you know, to the Seahawks by seven. A lot of fans are irritated and, you know, pulling their hearts out and all of this over a team that's losing games that they should win. Um, A lot of that has to do with the defense that's playing pretty well. I mean, I think that also helps you evaluate the clear spots on offense that need to change whenever you're looking to make changes and who needs to be drafted. Yeah, I agree. Um, But I mean, what do you, what exactly reframe your question? What what exactly are you asking? Oh, well, it's not exactly a question. I'm just going to point it out. (laughs) I mean, there's some of that. I mean, you, you, you see, um, you know, like I, I think it was really hard last year when blowouts to evaluate players. I mean, there were a lot of players that were re-signed. Five, I think, were two-year contracts, Justin Britt being one of them, Christian Kirksey another. Um, Casario was talking about it being a uh, process-oriented season, kind of finding and identifying core players who could be part of the team a little bit more long-term than normal. But, I mean, whenever yeah. you're getting blown out, look look to what we're seeing now, right? So a lot of those players that were brought back, so Christian Kirksey, Kama Grugier-Hill, um, you know, some of the drafted players last year, like Roy Lopez, those are all players that are in the middle. Michael Dwumfor has spent a lot of time on the um, uh, practice squad last year, came up for a bit. He was rotational at the defensive line because um, Kurt Heinisch was out with a uh, a foot injury. Um, and, you know, the they're still a very gaseous yeah. run defense. So whenever they're in close games, you're like, okay, um, you know, these are the things that need to be changed. I, I feel like it's a little bit easier to identify the things that can keep you from winning, yeah. like these third and ones, you know, and, and other situations. I Which, think it's a little you bit know, easier to spot. Now, now that you say all of that, you know, Levy Smith actually hasn't done a bad job as far as coaching. Just, yeah, given what he has, yeah. even on the defensive side, it's not like they, they have a lot of superstars on defense. They got a lot of young players and a lot of older – I mean, they got a few old older veterans who are making the most of the opportunity. Jerry Uke's playing – you know, some of the best football he's played in some years. I mean, Levy Smith has done a good job. They just have to, you know, figure out how to win. And I do think it takes it takes a little bit of time. And I think with this team in particular, they just need some more weapons to get over that hump, to finally get over that hump. So I don't yeah. know. I think I think I think one of the interesting things is seeing um and we talk about these in a press box whenever we're watching the game. Uh, is kind of checking and seeing what decisions, you know, Lovey Smith makes in a game. And he he's obviously, you can tell in a lot of situations, he's a third-time coach, knows knows what he's doing. He, he he did throw his first challenge of the season, which was strange. That looked like, you know, a clear, a, a clearly not a fumble uh, with his knee down. I'm, I'm, I'm curious what advice he got on that. And that spent a timeout in the second half that he probably could have used. But, I mean, the other things uh, – 
I mean, I, I, you looked in the second half and they had an opportunity to, to maybe go for it on the fourth down near, near in, in, in the Bears territory. They ended up kicking a field goal. Um, and then immediately after the next drive, whenever the, and, and we were talking about this, like they, they kicked the field goal. And then it, I, I wonder if defensive minded coaches sometimes lean towards feeling confident on their side of the ball. Because immediately after that, two plays, the Bears get like basically 70 yards in two plays. And then they're up, they, they score a touchdown. Then they're up 17, 13, I believe the score was at the time. And then immediately Lovey gets aggressive. The next drive, you know, fourth and one, uh, the fake punts there. And then, you know, they, they, they continue the drive and then end up kicking after the third and one near the end zone was, you know, a stop for a loss. Uh, but I, I think all of those situations, you can argue both ways in how he's managing the game. And you can look at some numbers that are like, uh, there's a, there's a, there, there are certain models that I look at during the game. And most of the time it's kind of like on the fence. So, I mean, you can, I, I can find reasons for, for what he's doing so far. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot, uh, more stable this year. And that was one of the conversations in the off season was how would Lovey handle these situations? Did he, you know, Nick Casario was part of the, uh, headset conversation last year. Did he need that? And Casario and, and Lovey Smith was making it clear that, you know, he's been here before, could do it. And I don't think there's really any, um, you know, any glaring issue there yeah, so far. For this sure. season. Uh, well, that is what we have for you guys. We're coming up on our 30th minute. Um, please continue to read us on HoustonChronicle.com slash sports. And if you have any questions for us, you can email us. Uh, you want to give your email and I'll give my email because I, I, yeah, <laughs> it's long. It's brooks.cabina at cron.com. And you know what? If you go online and click on a story, you'll yeah, find same it. Here. So, yeah. And, and you can find me, Jonathan dot Alexander at cron.com. <laughs> um, not too hard to find us. Follow us on Twitter. Thanks for listening. And that was 30 minutes. <laughs>